Welcome to Business Brains and the Bottom Line Podcast. My name is Paul Delegro, your host, and my guest today is Bianca Ottoni, the founder of My Italian Family. Welcome to the show, Bianca. Well, I'm so glad to be here. Well, thanks for coming on. So, you know, you and I connected on LinkedIn, and, and uh, obviously me being of Italian descent, the name of your company caught my eye, but you specialize in helping people uh, apply for dual citizenship. So explain to me how you got started. You came from Rome 20 years ago to the United States to start this business. So t- what's the genesis of your business? Why did you, why'd you even get into it? And then we'll get into the nuts and bolts later on. Yes, exactly. Why did I, why did I do that? Yeah. Uh, well, 20 years ago, let's put ourselves in that time frame. Internet was just starting. Right. And there was this uh, amazing energy and interest towards uh, finding our Italian roots. So that's how the business started originally. It was about reconnecting to our Italian roots. Uh, So from a a genealogy-focused business, we immediately also included uh, information about dual citizenship because uh, the ability to have dual citizenship had just been introduced in 1992. So it was not that... uh, 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 that far out. So uh, the business slowly grew to be less of a genealogy-driven business, but more towards uh, assisting uh, Italian people of Italian descent like you, descent like you, uh, to apply for Italian citizenship because it's something that definitely has a great uh, is showing more and more interest among the Italian American community. Yeah. So you said in 1992 is when when Italy and the United States allowed dual citizen dual Italy citizenship. Allowed for dual citizenship, the United States already allowed it. So before that, you were kind of you had to choose one or the other. Yes, and so think about uh, how many people were actually born in Italy, came over and uh, renounced to their Italian citizenship by becoming American citizens that they didn't even know. Um, so there was, when Italy allowed for dual citizenship in 1992, there was a window where people were actually asked to go to the Italian consulate and regain their Italian citizenship, but many people didn't know. So right. now you you are, it's, it's very, in a way, disconcerting, but you have sometimes applicants that have to go back like few generations, like four or five, and do who qualify, and somebody who was born in Italy doesn't. Right. So, in, but at the same time, there are ways for those who were born in Italy renounce their Italian citizenship to regain it. Okay, because so, uh, I have one of my cousins. His 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 father renounced his citizenship, and he got his Italian citizenship, but he had to do it to his mother's side. Right. Kind of like, so truth be told, you're helping me get my dual citizenship and we're doing it through the same leg, the same arm of the family. So, so when did, so I got to believe um, you're pretty busy right now, I would think. Very. In the last few years, um, I, we were discussing it uh, when we start meeting each other. Uh, I think it's more and more that people know that it exists. This possibility. Right. Uh, it's almost, um, let's remember, having Italian citizenship may, means that you can live, study, work, 
in Italy, but not just in Italy, also in all the uh, countries that are part of the European Union. That's right. So that's an amazing opportunity for not for you, for your children, grandchildren, because we'll discuss it a bit more in detail. But, uh, you know, it's forever. Um, so I think that's why people are considering uh, um, that this is the time to get it. Perhaps maybe COVID uh, allowed us to, you know, pause and rethink um, is just because now we have reasons to maybe retire in Italy, yeah. uh, even invest in property. Who knows? There, Everyone has slightly different reasons, but definitely it's. Yeah, that was actually kind of my next question is the reasons why someone would want to get dual citizenship. I know I, know I have mine. Um, you know, my personal reasons are when I retire, I want to go live over there and I'm doing it for my daughter too. So she has more opportunities. So we're going to get her, my daughter, Gabriella, we're going to get her, her citizenship too. So she can have options to possibly work and work in Italy. So that's my personal reason, but what would some of the other reasons be? Do you think? Well, um, obviously the, the ability to, uh, live there. So for instance, as an American citizen, you can reside in Italy or in Europe for up to 90 days, right? The visa waiver. So, but like you said, I would like to spend more time. I'm retiring. So the idea of not having to deal with the um, applying for visas, uh, there are not too many visas that even maybe uh, you may be eligible for. Sure. So definitely that is the number one reason. Um, remember also, if you have minor children, uh, they become uh, uh, Italian citizens automatically. Uh, with a parent. Um, I also, uh, something that we I just mentioned, so you, people do it, if not for them, for their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, yep. because again, as long as once you uh, become an Italian citizen, you continue to register with the, uh, with the Italian consulate, all the relevant documents, marriages, birth of children, and it will continue to be done generation after generation, it's done. I mean, it's one time yeah. process that can be inherited by all the future generations. And I think that is an amazing, um, an amazing plus. Um, yeah. go you got me wondering one thing, you know, one of the, one of the things we're thinking about is possibly purchasing some property in Italy. I'm assuming it's easier as if you're a citizen of the country versus a non-citizen, what, how does that affect it? Well, um, the, it being an Italian citizen, um, as an American uh, buyer, you, it, the Italian citizenship is not required to purchase a property in Italy. So it's not that now in order oh, to okay. buy property, you have to become a citizen of Italy. No, not at all. Uh, it may be easier in terms of documentation, but it's certainly not a requirement. Okay, so that I want to uh, make sure it's clear. Uh, but again, uh, it, it it is easier also, for instance, uh, many people have, what about my wife, right? right. So they are thinking about uh, becoming Italian citizens. Uh, will my wife be eligible? Yes, of course, uh, after, you know, somebody becomes a citizen, the wife, as long as you were married for a certain number of years, which is three, um, uh, can apply. It's a little bit more, com uh, diff not complex, it is in a sense, but different because remember, you're applying for Italian citizenship because it's your birthright, right? Yes. Um, your wife may apply for Italian citizenship because it's for her, it's just a request. And as such, has slightly different um, uh, require qualification requirements, including learning Italian and pass a language test. Yeah, that's changed because my brother got his with, and his wife didn't speak any Italian, but I think in 2008 when he received his. Uh, citizenship. There wasn't a language requirement. Now there is. Why do you think they changed that? 
because it was changed in 2018. Um, and uh, because this requirement is for all in all countries, basically, Italy was one of the few that didn't have this requirement for ah, citizenship okay. by marriage. Uh, and I don't believe they have it even for naturalization. So learning Italian was not required. Uh, when I say naturalization is an application for citizenship by residency, you reside there for a certain number of years, usually 10, and then you can apply for citizenship. Oh, wow. Um, that's a long so, time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... Uh, that's why it was introduced. And I think it's in a way fair. Um, but again, for people who want their wives to become citizens, there's also the option that once you become a citizen of Italy, the wife, as long as you're still married, which is a very good reason to stay married, can actually <laughs> can apply for a residency permit. So sure. there's also that option if you don't want to go through the language requirement. Yeah, my, my wife's claiming she's going to learn Italian, but I'm not, I'm not holding great. my breath. Yeah, but we'll see uh, how it goes. Come on, it's the, the, by the way, your wife is really kind because it's the language of your ancestors and you yeah. should be the one learning Italian. Yeah. But I think it's a beautiful language, especially if people are planning to retire there, to spend more time there. Uh, maybe while we wait for the process of Italian citizenship to take its course, we have time to learn the language. Yeah. Well, I will relay that message to her for sure. <laughs> so. Okay, thank well, you. Bianca, so... You know, for the folks out there, you know, I happen to know a little bit about it because you and I have had several conversations. We're starting to get the ball rolling in mind. So I understand it. So what what is the process like? There's a, there's a lot of documents that are required. There's a lot like what terms like the apostille and walk us through what type of documents are required uh, from Italy, from the United States and how you, the, the process itself. Because I think a lot of people get a lot of feel a lot more comfortable with the process after you explain it to them. Yes, uh, that's absolutely true, right? It helps you to make an educated decision if you actually learn, if you know what you're doing, what, what, right. what we will be doing. So, um, first of all, let's always remember that in order to start the, this process, we need to verify if the applicant qualifies. Okay. So that's really key. And what makes you eligible is obviously the ability to prove that the Italian ancestor in your lineage was indeed born in Italy. So uh, the Italian birth certificate would be one of the qualifying documents. And also uh, proving that the Italian born ancestor did not become a US citizen before the birth of the next in line, in line with the, uh, with your family lineage. So those are, we can actually go a little bit more in detail a little bit later. But once, you know, those are the qualifying documents and the, uh, and the qualifying information to even right. get started. So, uh, and, once you also conf we confirm that the person is eligible, then we certainly start with the, uh, documenting all the, the events. And when I say events are birth, marriage, divorce, and death records for all the people, uh, for all the generations, and thus the people in your family tree. So for instance, uh, um, you're applying through your great-grandfather. So it would be uh, documenting your generation, your parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents with Italian vital records, qualifying document, proof of naturalization or lack of naturalization. You also have to prove that something never happened in right. case the ancestor never became a U.S. citizen. And that was actually fairly common too. And then, of course, all the vital records from each state here and from all the states that are in play uh, as you know, as we all know, uh, our ancestors really um, settled in the tri-state area, Ohio, for instance. So a lot of documentation will come from New York, Connecticut, uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, uh, that many people actually went to the area of Pittsburgh and Ohio 
um, then eventually moved a little bit to Florida. So many death records are found in Florida. And then uh, obviously more recent generations uh, might have actually migrated to the Midwest. And I also want to remember uh, to remind people many actually settled in California. So especially for um, uh, older migrations. So once you get all these documents and, and you use a term uh, with me, an apostille, what is an apostille? Explain that to me, because I'm not all sure right. if many people, they would even know what that means. Right. So um, remember, so we're gathering documents that are foreign documents to Italy, right? So um, the apostille is a legalization um, uh, that allows, for instance, the Italian government in this case to accept documents issued in a foreign state. So there are uh, many, 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 many countries who have participated in this convention, um, and uh, they agreed that uh, this type of legalization would have allowed uh, foreign states to actually accept as legal uh, the uh, documents issued, the vital records issued in a different state, could be vital records or also other type of documents. And by the way, once you apostille legalize a vital record, that record has no expiration date. Because sometimes people say, okay, but... Uh, We'll talk about consulate delays, but, uh, right. uh, you know, maybe my appointment with Italian consulate is three years from now. And what if uh, my documents expire? Well, then, uh, you know, once we apostille these documents, like I said, there is no expiration date. So uh, this is uh, should actually satisfy the worries or fill out the worries. Sure. That and, you, and you touched on something that, from what I understand, now uh, the consulates are pretty busy right now and getting appointments is, uh, depending on what state you live in, and what region of the country you live in, it will, will dictate how long it's going to take to get an appointment, correct? So explain how that works. You know, you, you have all your documents, you got, you put your package together. What's the next step after that? So once uh, uh, we have collected all the documents, we have, uh, you know, reviewed them to make sure there are no discrepancies. Again, we'll, we'll discuss that as well. Uh, we have to make sure that there is there are no inconsistencies, that we have corrected all the discrepancies. We have legalized them with an apostille. Uh, we have translated them to Italian. Then uh, we are ready, really, to present to the Italian consulate. However, uh, in the last, uh, in the life, recent years, the number of applicants have grew, have grew has grown exponentially. And uh, so, but the resources of Italian consulates have remained the same. So what right. that's, what does this mean that uh, you know there are fewer and fewer appointments available not not only that but the calendars for uh, booking appointments are so far out in certain situations you know if you're lucky it's two years out uh, in certain situations they're like four years out oh, wow. um, but uh, other consulates were slowly reopening because there has been also the issue of covid uh, right. really locked down everything including the consulates um, some have even remained closes for the time being, uh, just reopening only for emergency services. And uh, according to them, uh, citizenship applica citizenship um, applications for uh, for Yuri Sanguinis are not exactly priority for the for them. Uh, you know, they're just open for uh, passport renewals or visa applications. Um, so that uh, that creates uh, obviously people not being able to uh, find appointments, or if they find them, are so far out. Now, for instance, some consulates are even allowing people are just making available appointments like two year, two weeks out. So it's only for people who are ready to go. Uh, again, it's so, like you said, there are 10 different consulates. Each one is different. 
Um, the qualification requirements are the same. The documentation, the requirements are slightly different. And their you know, process uh, to open up the calendars uh, are actually different. So you're actually, you, how many embassies are there in the United States? There's one embassy and then there are, I believe, nine consulates. And, okay. uh, you know, currently there are two, three closed. One is New York. Uh, one is Philadelphia, and the other one, the other one is Houston, which okay. is yours. <laughs> which is unfortunately for me. So, which is yours. The good um, news again, is they will reopen. Yeah, they will reopen, and, and we need some time to gather. All, we're in the process of gathering the documents anyway. So, but uh, yeah, hopefully they'll, they'll open up soon. I know this is something that uh, um, it's obviously a big a big issue. Uh, but again, you know, they first, um, they, they, they have introduced a new online booking system called Prenotami uh, last at the end of June. And this is a much better online booking system than the previous one, which was only, uh, which, which was not, not live. It was only updated once a day and it was terrible to find appointments. Now it's a live system. People can just, uh, you know, log in find if there are any, obviously, any appointments available for those calendars that are actually open. For instance, Miami is open. Um, uh, San Francisco is open. Uh, Boston, only once a month. Uh, the only one that counts that has remained uh, linked to the previous system is actually Chicago, but they will eventually also be part sure. of it. Now, you would think that there would be some sort of a common system with all the consulates, right? You would think? Well, in a way, it is. It's just the way that it's based on what resources they have available. It's always that. Um, so maybe New York consulate may have a few more resources than the Houston consulate or the Detroit consulate. And yet Detroit has always been open. So it's just, uh, it's just I think, the decision that each consulate make, makes. Sorry. So in general, I mean, I know um, you obviously specialize in Italian dual citizenships, but would this be similar to say like an Ireland or other European countries? Uh, would there be differences, similarities? Cause obviously not, not everyone's going to be Italian. So say someone from Ireland hears this podcast and says, I want to do it. I mean, are there differences or are, they, are, are, are all of them pretty similar? All right. So the, the reason Italian citizenship is perhaps the best uh, and uh, that makes more people eligible is because it doesn't have any restrictions Restrictions in the number of generations you can go back. Okay. So, uh, for instance, Ireland, you can only go back two generations. Um, so that's why, in the end, there are many more applicants for Italian citizenship. Because if you have a great, great grandfather, as long as he was born in Italy, but migrated to the U.S. after 1861, is eligible because there are sometimes people who are who actually have an ancestor who was born in the 1840s. So oh, wow. but remember, before 1861, Italy was not a unified country. Sure. Uh, it was actually yeah, that... divided and uh, obviously also conquered yes. by other countries too. So uh, that's why the 1861 year is uh, uh, March 17, 1861 is the date uh, that you have to prove that the ancestor had left after that date. Otherwise, so I'm in good shape. Then my, my, my grandfather was born, I think, in uh, 1890, somewhere around there. So I think I'm I'm good there. You're fine. You're That's fine. good. Yeah. Well, I know I must. My brother already has his and his family has theirs. So I know, obviously, uh, I'm, I should be in good shape. Just a matter of getting it done, right? 
Exactly. And uh, your your brother was extremely, was a visionary. Uh, visionary. Uh, he was actually able to do it uh, so many years ago now that uh, he was almost able to walk in the consulate and present uh, his document portfolio. He even, I believe what you told me was that he even walked in with his uh, uh, friend lawyer. Uh, right my, to the my cousin, actually. World. Yeah. Cousin. My cousin, the lawyer. Yes, the yeah. cousin, exactly. And yeah. instead, in today's day, absolutely, you have to be on your own. If you're even, right now, it's such a unique situation where for some consulates you can go in person, but very few. Otherwise, you're currently, you're asked to mail in your document portfolio. So, because of the situation, the COVID situation still. Boy, I, I don't know. After all the effort to get all those documentation, all those documents with apostilles, I'd I'd be I'd be a little nervous putting something in the mail. But if that's the rules, that's the rules, right? Yes, it is. Well, obviously there are ways to actually mail it out so that it doesn't really get lost. Sure. But yes, it's it's so much better to go in person. Um, you can hand hand you out hand the document yeah. each one by one, discuss it together. You can understand what uh, what the outcome of the interview is going to be. I mean, uh, instead here, you just have to wait. Yeah. So, if if someone you know someone that wants to go for citizenship, I mean, so for instance, my brother and my cousin did it. They did it all on their own, right? Yes. You offer that service too, where so. You offer the service of soup to nuts, start to finish, but you also offer an a la carte service. Explain that to me. Yes. So yes. What does so that mean? Always, I, we always actually, um, to, to take on a project like this on your own, is certainly, uh, it takes courage. And uh, um, I obviously honor people who actually do it on their own. It's unbelievable because it's like, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I can collect uh, these documents on my, by myself, but it can. There are so many, there are, you know, 50 states here in the U.S. Each state has different requirements. Each state has different procedures to get you a document that is uh, certified eventually uh, to be able to apostille it. So it's, uh, for instance, let's take an example, New York. Uh, and New York is divided into New York City and New York State. So New York City, there are several steps to get to a point where the document can be apostilled. Many people don't even know. Sometimes they get a document that they have to start all over again because it has not been exemplified right. uh, in order to be authenticated so that it can be apostilled. So there are four steps in there. And sometimes people don't know it. So New York State, New York State is a totally different ballgame. In that case, if you, for instance, have ancestors who were born in New York State and are now deceased, really it gets complicated because you will only need, you can only um, request these documents to a court order. So a judge oh, wow. has to order the division of the Department of Health, the Division of Other Records of New York State to actually uh, release these documents. So it's, it's complicated. In addition, um, there are, of course, states that maybe the, the, uh, the, the, Procurement of documents is slightly easier and faster, uh, but you know, obviously, you have to know which format you have to ask. And then, what we uh, just discussed a, a few questions ago, it's also the idea that once you have collected all the documents, you have to be, uh, you have to know how to read them, uh, make sure, list all the discrepancies, 
and try to find a solution on how to fix these discrepancies. So go back now to the soup to nuts, start to finish program, sure. versus the a la carte. So that's what I'm saying. So those who actually can get all these documents on their own, you know, more power to them. Um, uh, we obviously try to help those who are do-it-yourselfers uh, by uh, offering additional services, sure. such as, you know, we can gather the Italian better records for them. Uh, there, We make available several telephone consultations that can help, can assist them to either get started so they know what they have to do, which documents they have to get, including, uh, like you said, uh, reviewing the portfolio once uh, all the documents have been collected so that we can actually uh, tell them exactly which documents should be amended versus yeah. others, which additional documents should be should be uh, acquired. So uh, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah, and I, and I know the real sticklers about everything has to match up, correct? I mean, yes. Uh, my brother on his daughter, his name's Francis, legally but on his daughter's birth certificate it said frank yes so he actually had to go to court and have that changed on his daughter's birth certificate back to francis to, because they wouldn't accept it so it's a lot of little things like that you got to watch out for correct yes and it's extreme this is a very good example don't think for a minute because you know francis is you know frank is the uh uh, nickname of Frank is uh, uh, is uh, is acceptable. It's not. Right. Uh, so every s- difference in first and last names, dates of birth, those actually uh, are uh, examples that may actually say, okay, so the the person has a different first name, has a different last name. The last name is spelled differently. Those are different people. And so how can you link yourself to somebody yeah. who changed the name? So it's uh, by the way, remember. Names were never changed at Ellis Island. If they were, you know, misspelled, it was later on when they started to record, for instance, the birth of uh, their child or they got married here in the U.S. So that's when the misspelling started to appear. And you will see that in many of the documents that you acquire, in many, you even have multiple spellings. So in one document, it's this way. In another document, it's another way. And in a third document, it's a different way altogether. So uh, that's where the... uh, So is that a a misconception? Because I was always told that, hey, all the names were misspelled on Ellis Island because the the people that worked at Ellis Island didn't speak any Italian. And there was a lot of miscommunication, a lot of spelling errors, things of that, things like that. Well, it's actually not true, simply because okay. the manifest were really recorded at the port of departure. Ah, so that's why there could not be any misspellings. Um, she manifests have always been uh, fascinated me uh, because they really weave a story. Uh, so once people would finally arrive in New York and uh, land uh, at Ellis Island, then they had to go through the um, through the process uh, of uh, immigration process. So um, they had to um, verify uh, if where they were going, uh, if all the information listed on the, the manifest were correct, if they had any permit, if they were uh, you know going to stay or just being bird of passage. So uh, there is a lot of history in that. There. It's and it's beautiful. Yeah, I've never been to Ellis Island. I'd like to go. Um, Absolutely, it's the first thing I did when I I decided to actually start my business, and I decided to go and see exactly what was the immigration experience. And I think that museum is really priceless. I actually invite everyone to to pay a visit. Yeah, it's funny. My my daughter uh, and my wife went there a couple of years ago, and they actually found my grandparents' records. Yes, you know, so it was, that was kind of cool to see that. Yes. 
Plus so. they have a wall of honor. So it's, uh, it's just a beautiful experience, especially for children. So great. Well, any, you know, if someone, if someone wants to do this, I mean, I, I would recommend coming to you for the full service. Cause like, I think there's a lot of work to this. There's like 13 different documents, but need with translations and apostilles and accuracy and to try like, I agree with you to do it by yourself is tough. But what advice would you give to someone if they're even thinking about doing it? What would you say to them? Well, I think it's don't give up. Yeah. Um, so the long process, who, right? Yes, it's a long process. Remember, I mean, it's not. Uh, I see sometimes when people call and say, "Okay, so what is the process?" And then I I talk because I always prefer so that people are educated and they know what to expect. So I start telling them what the timeline is, timeline. But, you know, once you get enthusiastic about something, you would like to have it yesterday. Yes, yeah. But this is never the case, especially, think about it, you're getting a citizenship of another country. Of course, it takes some time. Yes. So, um, so pre- get ready for that. It may take between three and four years if you apply here in the US, sometimes less, uh, sometimes it's faster. It really is based on which consulate you you would be applying. We can also say that there is uh, many people choose to apply in Italy. Uh, but again, to, in order to apply in Italy, you have to have a good reason. Uh, so you have to be uh, physically present in Italy. And you right. have, uh, you know, because you're moving there, you're retiring there, you would like to work there. So not just because you're planning to skip the consulate, that's not the reason. Remember, you can only apply where you permanently reside. So right. that's why, remember, we were talking, you were saying, okay, so if Houston is closed, can I go to another consulate? And I was saying, no, you can't, because you can only apply to the Italian consulate that has jurisdiction over the state where you reside. And so yeah. it's Italy. So you apply yeah. in Italy because you permanently reside there. Yeah, because yeah, most of the documents that I need are in Massachusetts. So I only have, you know, the only thing is my marriage certificate and my daughter's birth certificate here, but everything else is in Massachusetts. So I was just thinking it may be easier, but... I guess I'm stuck with Houston. No, plus remember that we discussed at the beginning. I said, too bad you actually moved to Texas. Not because Texas is a bad country, a bad, bad state to live. It's actually a beautiful state to live. Well, I think uh, you had but, it right. It's its own country, I think. Yes. <laughs> but no, it's also because if you were applying at the same consulate where your brother had already applied, then you would have been able to tap onto his document portfolio and just add your own documents. So also cost-wise would have been a much better option. Um, because otherwise, in this case, when, you know, unfortunately, you have multiple, sometimes multiple family members who are really who want to apply, but they all reside in different states. And that unfortunately is an issue because then uh, they have to actually provide separate document portfolios, all in original, based on how many consulates are involved. Yeah, that's a shame because it's, uh, I've got to start from scratch, I guess. And it, yes. uh, it's a shame that my brother and my cousin have already gotten theirs. And, but it is what it is. Well, like I said, I'm not, I'm not close to retirement yet. So I've got some time. So yes. I think you're, that's a very good point. I think it's one of the biggest points is I tell people that want to do it, just realize it's going to take several years. This isn't, yes. let's do this over a weekend and be done with it. So I think that's great advice. Absolutely. It, it, by, it, makes you, it allows you also to make an educated decision. So definitely by if you're moving to Italy uh, because you're planning to stay there and we've had customers who actually did it, meaning they moved to Italy, really uh, rented a place, bought a home, moved there for you know several years. Some are still living there. 
um, because they wanted to actually set up their own business, uh, because they wanted to retire there. So they had a reason, a subjective reason to do it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the, the process there is about a year. Okay. Sometimes a year plus, but it's about between eight and eight months and 12 months. Cool. So, Bianca, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, uh, how would they do that? If someone wanted to get their dual citizenship in, for, from Italy, how would they do that? All right. Well, they can uh, visit our website, which is myitalianfamily.com. There's a, uh, many ways to get in contact with us from calling us, uh, calling our toll-free number, setting up consultations. Free, we offer free co- uh, free 15-minute consultations. We usually go much over the 15 minutes because we're, we're nice. And yeah. uh, uh, so there, there are many ways to get in touch with us. And please do. Well, I appreciate you coming on today. I think it's been very informative. And I appreciate all the help you've given me so far. We're not, we're not done yet. We've got a couple of ro- couple year journey together, I think, yes. you and me. Uh, yeah. But we'll get it done. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on. Because, you know, as, I, as you and I started talking, I started thinking of the business applications. And I, I try to have some sort of a business uh, flavor to my show. And there's a lot of business reasons why people would want to get their citizenship. I know my daughter is excited about it because she may want to go yes. and work there someday. Right? It makes it makes the world a lot smaller for you. And I have a nephew that's living in Germany right now. He has his Italian citizenship, but being in the European Union. So again, a lot of, lot of great reasons why someone would want to do this. Exactly. Business reasons, also sports reasons. Yep. There are many people who actually, many athletes who would like to actually uh, play in Europe, basketball, yep. baseball, lacrosse. So there's yeah. a, a well, lot I've of- I've got one of those in the family too. My brother's son go. played- pro basketball in Italy for, uh, I think, eight, eight, nine years, eight years, somewhere around there. So, yeah, a lot of good reasons. Well, uh, anything any anything else you'd like to say before we uh, before we sign off? Well, um, you know, there again, um, this is a process with lots of moving parts. Uh, remember, the first thing, uh, once you get excited, uh, verify that you qualify. Uh, we went over the qualification requirements very quickly because they are so subjective. Uh, there are obviously limitations, uh, not limitation, but additional requirements, whether you are applying through the male line versus the female line. So sometimes you have to apply through the courts in Italy to offset a requirement that only um, is for descendants of female ancestors. So it's very complicated. So even if you decide to take the, this journey on your own, at least uh, always seek some advice before you do it. Yes. So that you know exactly what you need to get, uh, because it, no matter what, it's an expensive process. No matter what, yes. it's expensive. So yep. even for those who actually try to do it on their own, at least make sure that you know what exactly you have to go, you have to get before you make mistakes. And uh, you know, because well, everything becomes more expensive when you do that. I think that's great advice. So I want to make sure that people have their, uh, you know, understand the process before they get involved, so there's no uh, no surprises. Exactly. Got exactly. it. Well, Bianca, thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, looking forward to our journey together for the next two to maybe hopefully two to three, not four to five. This is what we're hoping so too. And uh, thank you for the invite, Paul. It was a pleasure being with you. Oh, you're quite welcome. Well, that's it for Business Brains in the Bottom Line. Signing off until next time. 